He, he's a connector and a mobilizer and a pastor and a pastor trainer. So Christodos is here for a while because his daughter, his son already goes there. His son was up on stage, one of the musicians, Danny, but then his daughter Bethany is going to be coming and joining us at MVP and going to UMKC to get her, her degree. So Bethany's oh. going to be living with us. Oh, wow. International. I have an Indian daughter now. So, so we have Bethany. But anyway, you want to get to know Christodos. He's going to be here for a bit. The Bushmans will be leaving right after the service. So, so make sure you get to know them and say hello to them. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Also, LFBI uh, enrollment is now open. And you can get online and sign up for the 2022 mission trips. Uh, MBT loves faction. Faxon, Faxon, Faxon. We're having a sock and Christmas card drop off through December 21st. So if you have some extra socks, there's big bins will be available. Um, kindergartners and sixth grade for sizes, no ankle socks, please. Calf length. Colored socks are fine. Drop Christmas card for a Faxon teacher to show that, show them some love. It's been quite a challenging semester. Feel free to write an encouraging message, message inside and address faxing on the outside of the envelope. Our Arabic fellowship is uh, still meets on Saturdays, correct? In the boiler ring room at 1030. Okay. Okay. So don't come on Christmas. Ready to follow Jesus in obedience to baptism, we can get online and sign up for that. If you have a, a bulletin announcement or think it's a bulletin announcement, you can contact Deb Molder online. And also, please uh, be careful when entering my MBT contributions. Any uh, MBT error or voided transaction will cost MBT $25 to $35. So we don't want that to happen. Pastor, is there anything else we need to pass on or Christine or? Okay, so people out there in TV land, um, we have a cleaning day coming up during uh, Mission Focus. We're not sure when or how, but it's going to happen, and we will see emails and or message on WhatsApp. Okay, Perfect. anything else? Do you want to? You want me to pray? Um, I'll do it. Thank you, Gail. So we've got the room rearranged a little bit different this morning because the uh, youth had their Christmas party. And so some of you, you'll, you'll just have to stand up and turn your chairs around. And then um, you'll have to turn them back around for small group time. But otherwise, you're going to get a crook in your neck. So you want to look this way. 
So like you're gonna have to like stand up, turn around, turn your chairs around. We have a. Uh, so hey, uh, Jenny and Sissy back there in the back. Hey, we're we're about to pray. Okay, we're gonna pray as a class to get started. Okay, and, and Sissy, we're gonna pray for you. So as I understand it, you just made a decision to trust in Christ. Is that right? Okay. So, so we're going to pray in Jesus' name, and we're going to pray in faith to God, okay, sissy? And we're going to pray for you. Is that okay? And then we're just going to pray for our time together, all right? So let's do that together as a family. We're gathered in Jesus' name, right? Okay, let, let's, let's pray then. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and Lord, we don't always have eyes to see everything that's going on spiritually. Lord, you know, for us, that's behind the scenes. It's past our ability to always see clearly. But God, we know this. You are at work in this place, and we are gathered in Jesus' name. So, Father, we just want to declare that this time we have set apart to be about worship, the word and fellowship in Christ. And we just declare in Jesus' name that the enemy has no place here. He has no rights to come in. He has no rights to distract. He has no rights to come in and torment, to kill, steal, and destroy in this place where we are the called out assembly this morning. So Father, I ask you for liberty. Lord, for sissy, and Lord, everyone else in this place, that God, we are your children here, and we do not invite the enemy in in any way, shape, or form. And if we've done that in the past, Lord, we just want to renounce that and just say that today it's, it's going to be all about Christ. It's going to be all about the living and written word of God and the fellowship that we have in Jesus' name. So we ask all this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, okay. So, hey, it's good to see everybody. Um, it's really a, a pleasure to have Dan and, and, and Donna. Uh, we met you guys just a year or two ago, or I lose track, but, but, but it's really good to see you guys again. And they're, they're big supporters of Christodos and, and uh, they love him and they want to partner with him every chance they get. So thank you guys for being here. And then, and then you guys, it's good to have you guys here visiting with us this morning. And then everyone who got to come to the Christmas party, thank you for coming. It would have been a bummer if none of you showed up. We would have had a lot of soup, to, but, you know, uh, the soup was good, yeah. But anyway, it was super fun. If you missed it, you missed it, and that's okay. But, you know, we are a busy church because the church actually has a mission, right? So we don't have a lot of time to just hang out. I wish we did, you know, and I guess maybe we'll do that in the millennium. Maybe, I don't know. But it was really good to just hang out and play ping pong and, and talk and, and that sort of a thing. So thank you all for everyone who was able to come to that. I, you know, it is the Christmas season. I challenged you all a couple of weeks ago just to keep in mind all the Christmas songs and how the Christmas songs all seem to communicate 
eternity entered time and God became flesh and the, and the you know, did, did anyone do that? Has anyone noticed? Yeah, that the Christmas songs are all really describing what first John describes and actually go ahead and turn there in your Bibles real quick. We'll spend a little time in the word and, and, and you'll want your handout and the Bible for that. And then we'll do small groups. And probably, you know, it's a little different week with the arrangement, but probably we could just stay at your tables, you know, and, and just have that be your small group. But um, anyway, so, you know, we talked about two weeks ago, we talked about this verse in 1 John chapter 5, uh, starting in verse 6, about the water and the blood. And we talked about six different things that are typically taught on what that means. But really the conclusion is that they picture the two natures of Christ. So Christ, who was spiritual. So that which was spiritual was born in the flesh. So that that which is born in the flesh, that's, that's us, could become spiritual. God became man, you know, the son of God, so that we could become the sons of God. And that's kind of what Sam was talking about this morning. And then that's really what the Christmas story is all about. And then we talked two weeks ago about how some Bibles actually remove 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. Maybe some of you have a Bible and it goes, you're reading along and you're reading 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. And your next verse is 1 John chapter 5, verse 8. And critics and scholars, rationalists, they'll tell you that that verse isn't actually in any of the old manuscripts. But it was there in the earliest manuscripts. It was there in 150 AD. It was all the way through church history in different manuscripts, in, in both Greek and in Latin. It was there in the Walde four versions of the Waldensian Bible throughout history. It's always been there. It's just that the Alexandrian line of manuscripts took it out. So it was there. They just took it out. Then they said, well, it wasn't there, but, but you can see it all through history. So anyway, that kind of, and we, so what we saw, some of you aren't going to be able to see this. I apologize. But, you know, first you can look up, up there and see it if you want. First John 5, 7, what we saw, this is review, is that first John 5, 7 declares the divinity, the God part of, of who Jesus was. First John chapter 5, verse 8 declares his humanity. So we see Jesus was born of water, humanity. He was also born of blood. That's his divinity because did Jesus have Joseph's blood in him? No. Did Jesus have Mary's blood? No, the blood does not cross a placenta. So where did he get his blood? He, he, had, he was both God and man. He had God's blood in his veins, which is what Acts chapter 20, verse 28 tells us. And then we, we, we finished last time, two weeks ago that was, with the fact that, that God became man, God reached out to us. Look how, look how God's reaching out earnestly. And then look at the human response. And that's convicting for us. Because sometimes when we think about all that God did for us, and we're like, yeah, maybe I'll get around to a relationship with God later. Like, like this is so convicting. That's just how we are in compared to what God did for us. But anyway, we, we saw that Jesus was the Godhead bodily. You can see the, the Godhead in the person of Christ, and we are complete in him, in Jesus Christ. So that's all 
by way of review. And, and all of that brings us to this, this week's passage, which is 1 John 5.13. So the title this morning is this, Can You Believe It? Can you believe it? Because there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of theologies that teach you can't believe it. You don't have a Bible. You can't believe. You couldn't if you wanted to. Can, can you believe that? That people would teach you that you can't believe in Christ, that you can't know that you have eternal life. Can you? It's unbelievable. Okay, so the answer is yes, you can believe it. And we have one verse that overthrows just a whole lot of bad doctrine. And that's five, 1 John 5.13. Here's what it reads. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. I hope, I hope that's you, okay? Well, well, what is it, John? What is it you want us to know? Well, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So we're going to work through this verse together. There's four main points, and then you'll be able to discuss in your small group. So if you have questions or if something pops in your mind, like God's just like, shining the spotlight of the Holy Spirit on something, just write that down in the margin of your notes, and that's what you need to be talking about in your small group. That's Discovery Bible Method, right? What's God showing you out of this? So you guys ready to tackle this? Okay, so here we go. Can you believe it? That's the question. All right. So these things have I written unto you now the holy spirit is thinking speaking through the apostle john to us if we were to continue to the next two verses we would read this and this is the confidence that we have in him if we ask anything according to his will he heareth us and if we know that he hears us we have whatsoever we ask and we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him what that is saying, okay, so John says, I've written these things unto you. The next two verses say, if you know the will of God, then that helps you in prayer. Because if you're praying according to the will of God, the answer is going to be yes. Okay. God has a will. He's declared it in his word. And if we know what that is, then we know we have what we ask for. In other words, this is the assurance that we have. It's the written word of God. These things have I written unto you that ye may know something. Hey, by the way, if you know the will of God, is God going to answer that prayer? Well, of course he is. We, we were doing discipleship. Gail and I and Xander, we were doing discipleship yesterday. And one of the discussion questions asked this question said something like this Are you doing the things that will result in a good? judgment seat and xander was kind of he's being a little bit like false humility he's like well gee shucks i don't know what she is i mean he's all about it he's here every day after work carrying chairs around and painting and lifting and moving like he's just serving us nonstop, committed to the word of god and the people of god so xander you know he said well gee i don't know and that's where gail and i were like well, yes, you do. What do you mean you don't know? How would anybody know what it is that's going to result in a good judgment seat? Where would you find those answers? 
We just finished the lesson on the judgment seat of Christ. You know the answers. Are you doing the things? And he was like, well, yeah, actually, I am. Here's the things, according to the word of God, that will result in someday standing before him and getting that good report from him. So let me see, am I doing those things? And he was able to go down the list and actually see that. See, we have the written word of God that gives us assurance. So John says, the, you know, that's why I'm writing unto you. Look at, just look at this book real quick. Look, look at in your Bibles. First John 1, 3. John says, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. I'm telling you the things that I, I know. That's what I've seen and heard. I'm declaring unto you. Why? That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Look at 1 John 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. 1 John 2, 7 and 8. Brethren, I write no commandment unto you, but an old, uh, no new commandment, but an old commandment. In other words, I'm writing this thing unto you, verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because darkness is past and the true light now shineth. First John chapter two, verses uh, 12 through 14. Look at that. I write unto you, little children, for this reason. I write unto you, fathers, for this. I write unto you, young men. I write unto you, little children. Verse 14, I've written unto you, fathers. Verse 14, I've written unto you, young men, over and over and over. First John Chapter 2, verse 21, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. Verse 26, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Listen, it's the written word of God that gives us our assurance about what God has said, about who he is, about who we are. And then verses you know, the verses we read in 14 and 15, the reason we know that, the reason we have assurance is because we know the will of God. We know the will of God because he gave us his word. And we went through that Psalm 119 study, right? And we saw how many times God promote his word and put forth his word and just say, listen, trust me, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just put, okay, so we have the written word. That's that's our key point number one. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. And that's our second section is, okay, number two, that believe on the name of the Son of God. So that gives us our audience. Anybody throughout history who believes on the name of Jesus, that's who the Apostle John, it's, it's actually God through John, that's who he's communicating to. So, so would that be all of us? We've all believed on the name of the Son of God. Can I just see your hands? Just in test, testify. Okay, this is written unto you then. This is written unto me then. So these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, the Bible's a pretty long book, right? It's over a thousand chapters and 31,000 verses. John could have shortened it a little bit just by saying, believe on Jesus. He didn't do that, though. He said, believe on the name of the Son of God. Why did, he, why did he draw that out? Why did he want to point our attention to the Son of God? Well, the reason is, is because we, what we just reviewed. 
Jesus was the Son of Man, but he was also the Son of God. And if you look at verses 11 and 12, and this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. So if you have the Son of God, you have the life of God. Well, have you believed on the name of the Son of God? The, the Gnostics who were teaching that Jesus wasn't the Son of God? Well, then, I don't know who you believed in, but it wasn't Christ, the promised Messiah of the Bible. So, so when, when we talk, and, and, and we'll talk about what it means to believe in here in just a minute, but regarding that phrase, the Son of God, here's what we see, key point number two, is that Jesus, as the Son of God, He's not separate from the person of God. He's not separate from the person of God, but rather he's the one that came to give us life. He's the one that came who made a way according to the will of God. So if you want to be right with God, it only comes through the son of God. He's the one. And that's why the focus is there on the son of God. So that gives us our audience. It also gives us perspective. Okay, so these things have I written unto you. We get assurance through the written word of God who believe on the name of the Son of God. We've done that, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. This is number three on your handout. Okay, I've got some verses here on number two also, just in terms of Jesus fulfilling the will of God. Luke, the, there's a parable in Luke about a guy that planted a vineyard and came to get the fruit of the harvest. And he sent a servant and they killed the servant. And he sent another servant, and they, they're just mistreating and killing the servant. So the master sent his son. And guess what? They rejected and killed the son too, right? So in regards to that, then they said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son, and that maybe they will reverence him when they see him. That's talking about Christ, the promised Messiah who came to his own, and his own received him not. The nation of Israel rejected their Messiah, didn't they? Let's make sure we don't do the same. Okay, and then Galatians 1.4, speaking of Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So Jesus came and did the will of God. That's all inherent in that phrase, the Son of God. So that wraps up that point. And then we get to the third point here, that ye may know you have eternal life. And it seems strange to us, perhaps, that, we, that, that, that this would make it into Scripture, that John would have to state this obvious fact. If you believe in Jesus, you may know that you have eternal life. Does this verse seem a little strange or repetitive to anyone else upon just reading it? Okay, well, but we need to know this, and here's why. Okay, I'm going to generalize in this next section, okay? So you shouldn't do that, but I'm going to for the sake of time. Okay, Calvinism teaches you that you cannot know that you have eternal life. Okay, you cannot know that you have eternal life. And again, I'm generalizing. Not all Calvinists are the same, just like not all Baptists are the same. Okay, but but what Calvinism teaches is that only God knows who is elect. Only God knows who is chosen. God, limited atonement teaches that Christ didn't die for all. He only died for some. 
He didn't die for the sins of the world. He only died for a certain elect, select group of people. That's what Calvinism teaches. And you cannot know if you're chosen or not. You might be, you might not be, okay? But only God knows. Now, they'll teach that you'll probably get assurance at some point. Probably at some point, you'll figure like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm elect because I'm way better than Aaron. So if I'm just looking around, I think I got a good chance compared to, to that guy. Okay, this is, so Presbyterian, Presbyterian churches, Reformed churches, uh, covenant, if you see covenant or reformed in the name of the church, it's, it's, this is what they teach. This is what they believe. So I went to a Presbyterian college because I wanted to go to a Christian school, but I wanted to know what happened to me at Bible camp. They couldn't tell me. The town that Richmond and Jody live in in Hawaii, the mayor of their town want, got under conviction. It was like, I need to be born again or get saved or whatever that is. I need that. So he called the two biggest churches in his city and talked to the pastors. And they could not tell him how to be born again. You, 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 I was taught at my school, you can't know. You can't know the truth. You can't know if you're born again. Whatever that means. Like, like the, so, They interpret it through the lens of their theology, is, is, is that. So here's the canon of Dort. So, so a lot of these churches will, will go to the Westminster Confession. Anyone heard of that? They'll go to the canon of Dort, and they'll look historically at theology. So it's a type of historical theology. That's a, that's, there's five types of theology. That's one of them. And this is what they say. That they'll pull this up. They'll say the assurance... <clears throat> of their eternal and unchangeable election to salvation is given to the chosen in due time, though by various stages and in different measures. So you'll get perhaps in some time, maybe, some measure of assurance that you're chosen or not. But it may, the measure may be, maybe you don't get very much assurance. Maybe you get full assurance over time. Maybe you don't, though. And it could be in different stages, and it could be in different measures. Such assurance, they assure us. Okay, so I'm a little mad about it because all the Christmas songs that talk about Christ coming and light coming and life coming and joy to the world, let's say joy to the elect. And it, this verse says you can know and you can believe. And these folks all sound so good because they're so smart and they, they're all advanced theologically. But what they're teaching is you can't know. And it makes me a little mad. So if I come across a little mad, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at them. Okay. <laughs> Such assurance comes not by inquisitive searching into the hidden and deep things of God. You don't get assurance by looking into the deep and hidden things of God. Well then, gee, where do I get assurance? Okay, this was me in college. 
excuse me, sir, professor, where do I get, doctor, where do I get assurance about, okay. But by noticing within themselves with spiritual joy and holy delight and unmistakable fruits of election pointed out in God's word, such as true faith in Christ, a childlike fear of God, a godly sorrow for their sins and a hunger and thirst for righteousness and so on. Okay. That's a hard ask in my mind that I'm going to get my assurance by not looking within the things of God, but by looking within myself, because I looked within myself and that's what makes me, you know, nervous in the first place. Okay. I'm going to go on because I'm just going to get mad. Okay. Letter B, letter B. So here's the, here I'm presenting in, in, in number three of our handout, this verse says, hey, y'all who believe on the name of the son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. Okay, there are entire theologies that teach you, you can't know you have eternal life. But then there's also these people that teach that you can lose your salvation. Okay, well, if, if you can lose your salvation, you may not have it tomorrow. Okay because maybe you'll sin and you'll lose your salvation. And if you don't know that you're going to have salvation tomorrow, then how can you know that you have eternal life if you don't know that you have it tomorrow? So this includes, again, I'm generalizing. There's, there's different stripes of every group here. But this is the official teaching of the Methodist Church, the Wesleyans, Pentecost, most Pentecostals, Catholics, Nazarenes, and others. Okay, so listen, we've, we've covered Presbyterian churches, the Church of the Brethren, Reformed and Covenant churches, Methodists, Wesleyans, Pentecostals, Catholics, Nazarenes. Now, there's, I'm sure there's some Baptists that, that preach the same thing too, but it's not the official teaching of a Baptistic doctrine that, that you can't know if, you, if you're saved, that you can't choose to accept Christ, and that you can lose your salvation. Okay, so here's the main point. Many theologies teach that we may not know that we have eternal life. But the Bible in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 says, hey, you that believe on the name of the Son of God, you may know you have eternal life. How do we know that? We know that because these things write I unto you. We have the written word of God. Ask Christine sometime, not now during class, but sometime. Ask Christine. She was wrestling with her salvation. And then, and then, you know how she got assurance of her salvation? It's just book, chapter, verse. Well, if the Bible's true, I'm saved. Let's see, is the Bible true? Yes, it is. I'm saved. According to God's word, I'm saved. And there's never been a second of doubt since then. Just the written word gives us assurance. You guys see that? Okay, number four. Okay, so the verse goes like this. These things have I written unto you. Thank you, Lord. That you may believe that that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Why would God tell people who believe on the name of the Son of God that they can believe on the name of the Son of God? They already did that. Well, okay, the reason why is because of Calvinism again. Okay, I'm generalizing, I'm picking on Calvinists, but they deserve it. Okay, Calvinism teaches that we cannot believe in Christ. 
the tulip, the five main tenets of Calvinism. The T is total depravity. Total depravity means that you're so bad that you can't make a good choice, morally speaking. Like you might make a good financial choice. You might make a good choice in terms of relationship. But when it comes to moral issues, we're so depraved that we can't choose to accept Christ because that would be that there's some good in us. So they say total depravity equals total inability, which my request would, would be, if you mean total inability, then just say that. Don't say total depravity and then define it as total inability. Let's just keep it maybe cleaner if we can, but, but the, they say that only the elect, so only those that God has chosen to salvation can be saved. So the gospel is preached. It's not those who put their faith in the gospel. It's those who God is, has chosen, and you don't have a choice about it. Now, they're not shy about this. They're not embarrassed by this. A Calvinist who, who is sitting here today would say, well, yeah, of course, that's what we believe. God's sovereignty and God's grace is such that man can't possibly have a free will to choose to do good, or it's not grace anymore. That's how they that's the lens that they see it through. Okay, so I'm just describing their theology. But then there's also the, church, the, the churches that teach we're only saved through good works. Okay, so the Calvinists will teach you, you can't, you may not believe on the name of the Son of God. It's not within you to do so. Bless your heart. Now, you'll say, well, but do you believe in Jesus? They'll say, well, yes but I don't believe, it doesn't mean I'm saved. Okay, hang on, time out. Let me take you to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, which says, you that believe on the name of the Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. And that's not all, but you may believe. You can actually choose to believe on the name of the Son of God. <laughs> How did I miss that verse? Okay, all right. But then there's other churches too. There's churches that teach that we need to do good works or or let's add something else. We need to believe in Mary, or we need to get baptized, or get circumcised, or take the sacraments, or we have to join their church. That's a church of Christ teaches, and unless you join a church of Christ, not, not global, everyone, but, but they're just like their denomination, you're, you're hellbound. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him and joins my church shall not perish, but have ever, I don't know. Okay, so they teach that believing in Jesus is not enough for us to have eternal life. So there's entire theologies that teach you, you may not believe on the name of Jesus Christ and the salvation, or, you know, believing on Jesus isn't enough. You also have to do good works to be born again. I thank God for 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Number one, you may know that you have eternal life because we have the things that were written to us by the prophets and the apostles. Okay, you may know, but your certainty in the words of truth. Okay, you may know that you have eternal life and you may believe on the name of the Son of God. It is sufficient for our salvation and our sanctification. Okay, once you start down that path, you'll get that figured out too. It's like, I can't overcome my flesh with my flesh. It's not about willpower. It's just about 
me just trusting God according to his word in different areas of my life. But we may believe, and it is enough to believe on Jesus. Okay, does this make sense? So here's key point number four. We must never let theology change our faith in Jesus, the Son of God, according to that which is written. Okay, so my my exhortation to you, okay, I'm not afraid of theology. But you can get messed up using a historical theology, a dogmatic theology, which says, okay, I have to look at this book through the eyes of being a Baptist. And I have to wrestle it into my Baptist form and understanding. Okay. Or, you know, a systematic theology where we take the topics out of scripture and then examine them. That's how you end up with Calvinism when you do a systematic type theology. No, a biblical theology is this, that God revealed himself progressively throughout scripture in different times and in different places, in different ways. He manifested himself to humanity. And throughout that whole thing, there has been a river of purpose that God has said, come and see. Whosoever will come and join in my plan, you will receive grace in your life. You will receive purpose as you take my will and just plug into it throughout history. Now, to get that sort of a biblical theology, we have to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, 2 Timothy 2, 15, sorry, says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed. What's the rest of the verse? rightly dividing the word of truth find those different divisions and figure it out see and we listen don't be a calvinist don't be an arminianist just be a biblicist avoid getting pigeonholed into some theology that's going to teach you you can't know if you're saved or that you can lose your salvation the Bible teaches neither of those, those things. It's a whosoever will proposition. It always has been. And sometimes a theology will ruin someone's faith. Don't get so smart. Don't learn a theology. And that becomes a lens through which you view the written word of God in. And I'll tell you what, if that's something you're like, I don't know, I've studied this and I'm a Calvinist. Okay, well then, then you know, you're going to have to explain to me first John chapter five, verse 13. You know, well, I, you know, I believe that, you know, you can lose your salvation if you sin. Okay. Well then you're going to have to explain to me first John five thirteen. Just simply know that you believed on Jesus. And if you did that, then you have eternal life. Not because you looked within yourself and saw the fruits of election. Like you're a really good person and so on. No, the Bible says I'm saved. I have the written word of God and that gives me assurance and I'm just going to be a biblicist. And I don't know it all. I don't know as much as I should. I don't know everything about this book, but what I do know gives me great assurance. Everything that I've trusted God for in this book, he's been faithful to just bless me with it. That is the path you want to be on. Make sense?
Okay, that's it for me. We're going to, and so I guess I just said faith extends beyond our understanding. This is where theology gets, gets to be tricky because theology is a man's construct of understanding, trying to make sense of everything. And faith is such that we just have to trust God for it because it's the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, God, I don't even understand it yet, but you said it, so I'm just going to do it. That's so, so theology messes that up. I don't know if that makes sense. You can talk about that in your small groups if that doesn't make sense. But let's pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be able to spend some time in our small groups. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's also in, in verse 11, that, uh, and this is the record that God has given to us. The tense of this verse, not good in English, like you, is this the present or past? Uh, that is a present tense verse, uh, verb, yes. It is continuous, it's giving me, yes. it will not change in future. Yeah. So Wagi points out, I'm going to repeat it for the people online here. Wagi points out in verse 11, this is the record that God has given us. Okay. Oh, by the way, the written word is the record that God has given us. Uh, and he hath present tense, hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. So yeah, a couple of points on there. You can't lose it if it's a present tense ongoing action. And then we have, this is God's record. It's not the words of John about God. It's the words of God through John. Yeah? Anything else before we pray and break up? Okay, Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Um, God, you're so good to us. And Lord, any of us who, you know, would be confounded or confused. You know, we adopted a theology and, and Lord, it, it just hinders us from being a biblicist. Lord, I just pray you'd set us free from, from that. We recognize that we're not to lean on our own understanding and it's just your word, which is true. So Father, I pray you just liberate us to be biblicists and, and help us. Lord, we have to do our work. It's, it's a workman who has studied the word who can rightly divide it. So, Lord, I just pray for those, you know, uh, whose theology has ruined their faith. God, that you would just open their eyes to the simple truth of, of one verse in 1 John chapter 5. Now, Lord, we love you. We thank you. I pray for our small group times, Lord, that people would get their issues uh, not just discussed, Lord, but, but kind of dealt with. As others are able to come alongside, Lord, that we wouldn't leave anybody there, but we'd help people to move forward in their faith and whether they need to be born again or they need to be baptized or they need to sign up for discipleship or we need to pray over needs or whatever. God, you know. So here we are. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think for the most part, just stay in your tables. If we need to move around, we can. If there's ongoing things, like, well, we, we need to finish from last week, then it's okay to, to change tables or whatever. But otherwise, just most people could probably stay put.